Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. This is Born to be Breastfed. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's really exciting to be with you. As always, I can't believe that a whole week has passed, but indeed, that is the case. I have been busy, 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 super, super, super busy uh, because I've been on the road. But let me tell you, one of the things, I I sort of have a love-hate relationship with the road. I always feel like, uh, I feel a little displaced and over-busy, but one of the things that's the greatest thing about interacting with so many professionals is that they often give me a lot of questions at the course, before the course, after the course, during the course, at the break, you name it. And over the last, I don't know, year or so, I have accumulated a stack, and I mean a stack of three by five cards about nipple shields. People certainly do ask questions spontaneously during my comprehensive or my review course, but I would say too that because some of these get a little bit too involved, that I kind of say, okay, put your card, put your a question on a three by five card. And by now I have a pretty hefty stack. Here's just a smidge of what I've gotten. What is the difference between a shell and a shield? How do I properly fit a mother for a nipple shield? Uh, how effective are nipple shields? How do you get the baby latching with a nipple shield on, quote, deep enough and actually stimulate the breasts? Shields, when and how to wean the baby off. This one is a sentence. I worked with a mother and baby for over an hour one day after delivery without success. I used a nipple shield and then had instant success. Did I do the wrong thing? And here's the other one. Uh, Actually, this looks like a repeat. What is the best way to wean a baby from a nipple shield? And on and on and on the stack goes. Those are just the ones that I thought, uh, well, actually, I didn't really even think about it. They were just the ones that came to the top of the pile. So I'm going to try to address all of those and much more as we talk about nipple shields tonight. So I think maybe we need to start at the beginning where, as you notice, one person basically said, what's the difference between a shell and a shield? But let me back up uh, just a, a little bit before that and say, what exactly is a shield? Well, it is a soft, pliable device that's worn over the nipple and the areola during feedings. Nipple shields, then, should not be confused with breast shells. Breast shells are hard, they're plastic, and they are rigid devices that are placed over the nipple and the areola between feedings. So they're different in what they feel like, what they look like, when they're worn, and to some extent, why they're worn. Uh, Shields are made out of, generally these days anyway, shields are made out of a clear silicone. 
there are oh i i just can't even remember now how many brands of shields that i have found you may be familiar with a couple of the major brands that are found here in the united states but actually I went online and I was able to identify at least a dozen, probably more uh, shields. And so I would say that to some extent, sometimes these things are, are a little bit different. Whether or not they're available locally kind of depends on the brand. Usually the major brands are available online or in small boutiques or rental stations or even in the box, the big box stores, like for instance, Babies or Us. Um, it's hard to say exactly how much they are. I would say that pretty much all of the ones that I saw were less than $10 or so. Uh, usually they're round or though, though they can be kind of oblong and even the ones that are round can have like a little cutout thingy and that's they're called contact shields that presumably is so that the baby can be more in contact with the areola. I don't know that I think they're any better or worse, but um, that's kind of the idea of what they are, what they look like, what they feel like, about how much they are, and more or less where to buy them. Now, all of that being said, I sh if I sound too knowledgeable about these things, <laughs> I need to back up a minute and tell you. Uh, I am not a I am not big on giving shields. I usually will do just about anything to avoid giving shields. And the reason I say that is because although they do offer some benefits, they also have some risks. And as you know, if you've listened to this show before, you know that I'm all about risk-benefit, looking at risk-benefit, and which outweighs the other. So those are some things that come to my mind just in a general way to describe the shields. Um, I think maybe the next question then, uh, well, another thing I should probably say, why don't I give a shield? I usually am reluctant to give a shield because of what I said about the risk benefit, but also for a very, very important reason, which is very often I can get away without using it. And if I can get away without using it and still accomplish the goal, which, hello, that would be milk transfer. If I can do that successfully, then why would I use this gizmo? Uh, I would also say that as soon as I pull out any device, if I pull out a nipple shield, if I pull out a breast shell, if I pull out crutches, whatever it is that I pull out to help a patient with their whatever it is, then if I'm giving that device, I need to do a follow-up. And I am big on that. If you're in my professional listening audience, I need to tell you that you need to have some sort of a formal policy, protocol, guideline, something or other in your facility. You can't just hand these things out and assume that all is going to be well in paradise. I think that as soon as you have a device, you are admitting that there is a problem and the problems require problem solving. Problems require follow-up. You can't just give a device and be done. Now, for you mothers out there, 
If you've had a nurse who just gives you a nipple shield and does not give you any assistance and does not have a plan for follow-through, you should be very suspicious as to whether or not you really need this thing. And even if you do need it, you should be suspicious about how you're going to get continuing uh, help in order to eventually get off the shield. The shield should be something that is considered to be a temporary, I use this term loosely, crutch to help a temporary problem and then you get the problem solved, okay? So I am really big on, I don't wanna walk down that road unless I have to. Let's start then with, what are the indications for a shield? And this is really kind of a difficult question to answer. We have very little research on the the use of shields. As a matter of fact, if you look at Dr. Eglash's article, and I'm sorry, I think I just mispronounced her name. It's Eglash, uh, which she wrote with Zemer and Chevalier. One of the things that they mention is that no professional guidelines exist at least on a national or international level, about the use of the nipple shield. Uh, In their study, though, they also showed that the most common reason for using nipple shields is to help the baby who is less than 35 weeks gestation to latch and to suckle effectively. And I would agree that that is a bona fide reason. Let me be quick to say, however, that I have helped many babies less than 35 weeks to attach and uh, suckle, and I have not used a shield. So just because the baby is less than 35 weeks does not necessarily mean he must have a shield. Uh, They would also found that 38% used nipple shields for babies that were more than 35 weeks gestation, but less than three days of age. And I would pretty much agree with that as well. The only thing I would caution you about there is the less than three days, because in a minute I'm going to talk about the first 24 hours, and that's a different story. I would say, however, that their study also showed that there was a lack of follow-up by those who actually introduced the the nipple shield. And I agree that I have seen that in my own practice. I have had others report that to me. And I've certainly, uh, I remember one time when I was offering one of my courses, I distinctly remember it was in Dallas. I can visualize that room. There were probably 50 to 60 very experienced people in there because it was the review course. And I said, how many of you have got a follow-up protocol in your facilities for nipple shields. And I would say that maybe only six or eight of them raised their hands. And that was only, a, I don't know, a couple of years ago, maybe. The other thing that they found was that the mother generally sees these things as helpful. I do agree that they can be helpful, but they're not necessarily the only way to help. So I would agree with what has been shown in a study, but I would also say probably the fundamental reason to give a shield would be if the baby has not been able to latch and they have had substantial help in trying to latch. Uh, if, If all of that is true, then I 
would say, let's look at what else is going on. Does the mother have, for instance, an inverted nipple, as in a very inverted nipple, and the person who pronounces it inverted truly knows what an inverted nipple is. But it could be that the nipple is not very graspable. Sometimes mothers have these nipples that are just very inelastic or non-elastic. And then the reverse, too. Some have nipples that are sort of, um, oh, they just don't have much shape or much texture. And so it's difficult for the baby to feel the nipple in the way that really stimulates him to get going on it. Uh, another could be that the skin is, I use this term loosely, foreign. A baby who has had a lot of artificial nipples on top of a bottle or a baby who's had a lot of pacifiers, all of that could be un, uh, what I would consider at least to be a bona fide reason for giving the shield. I would also say that I've had some people say that they use it with a baby with a high arched palate. And I, I honestly, I'm not sure about that one, but I have heard that one. So anyway, what I've tried to do for you in the last few minutes then is to summarize the idea of what they are, some bona fide reasons for why they might be used, and to help you to understand that it's just one strategy to help uh, improve milk transfer. When we come back, we'll be talking about the benefits and the risks. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Cancer is not something to be taken lightly. But instead of being talked at by doctors, medical providers, and others, wouldn't it be nice to hear from a host who has worked at the cancer coalface for 38 years as a caregiver, supporter for 14,000 patients, and who has had the experience of having a life-threatening condition herself? You will hear the stories of survivors and other people who work in breakthrough cancer medicine, navigating the cancer maze with host Grace Goller. We'll help you with the facts, 
planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you so much for joining me as we talk about nipple shields. I closed out that last segment by telling you I'm not real keen on giving shields, largely because there's often a better way to accomplish milk transfer. But on the other hand, I do feel that they can be useful tools. I ended up by talking about what I would consider to be some bona fide real reasons for uh, using the shield. I did not, however, say what I uh, realized over the break. I did not talk about reasons to not use the shield. I have heard many people say that they have given the nipple shield for a mother's sore nipples. I would be disinclined to do that. Very often what you will see is that first of all, it doesn't solve the problem. It just covers up the problem. And secondly, that sometimes they can kind of shuck around on the skin. Remember, this is a silicone material. And so you're putting something on top of skin other than skin, by the way. And so sometimes it just makes them sore. On the other hand, sometimes I have had mothers issue me an ultimatum. If you don't let me have a whatever, I'm going to stop breastfeeding. Well, you know, if they say that, I'm probably going to, I'm going to cave in, okay? But generally, no. Here's the other one. For all of you professionals who are listening out there, you know what I mean by nipple, uh, excuse me, by oral aversion. I am not inclined to give a baby a shield if he already has oral aversion because that silicone is this like foreign thing. And so I really want to hope that he is more amenable to the idea of uh, skin rather than silicone. 
So sometimes if he gets that silicone thing near him, he will not accept it. The third reason that comes to my mind, and maybe the most important, I just touched on this as we were closing out the last segment, is what I guess I would just call non-expertise. Nipple shields should not be used for all difficult latch-on situations, and nipple shields should never be used as a substitute for competent professional assistance with latch-on. I have helped hundreds, probably thousands of babies to latch-on, and I will tell you that pretty much most of the time you can get away without these shields if the baby is full term well healthy etc cetera, etc cetera. now the preemie kids and the kids with special needs that's a that's a different story okay but most of the time you really don't need these things let me speak a little bit to the timeline because that's one of the questions that i frequently get Let me be real clear in saying that a breast shield should be considered a temporary fix. A temporary fix. Some babies can very successfully suckle without the shield really after just a few feedings. And and some of them are... I would say probably most of them are probably in the three days neighborhood or so. If the baby is well, healthy, full term, and there aren't any serious anatomical issues going on, okay, if there, if it's a special needs baby, then that, that is a different discussion. Uh, what you may find, too, is that uh, sometimes the babies just don't respond quite the way that you thought. I am always amazed, and I've heard this story more than once from my friend Mickey, who says that she worked with a set of twins. One of the twins got off the shield pretty much the way, and they were preterm. One of the shields, uh, the babies got off the shield pretty much as she had expected and as the mother had anticipated and, you know, kind of went along status quo. However, the other twin simply refused to get off the shield. And the mother continued to nurse baby twin number one on the breast without the shield because the baby would go for it. And baby number two absolutely would not go for it. And she remained on the shield breastfeeding for over a year. The baby had excellent weight gains. The mother had plenty of milk. And so, you know, then you have to ask yourself, okay, I don't understand why this baby won't give up this shield, but for one reason or another, she won't. Because Mickey, who I think is just totally excellent at getting babies on or off from the shield, could not get the baby to give it up. So then the question becomes, is the baby just doing okay? If all is well, kind of suck it up. All right. On the other end of the spectrum, I've often had this question presented to me, and there is no evidence-based answer for it. I've had people say we are not allowed to give shields in the first 24 hours or so. I I personally would not give a shield in the first 24 hours or so, but let me tell you how I think that through. First of all, because I'm not very eager to give a shield, so that's kind of number one. Number two is you have less stimulation to the mother's nipple and when you have less stimulation by the baby's mouth, the baby's tongue, the human contact, you're going to have lower prolactin levels and 
subsequently a lower milk supply. And the other thing is, why is it that we think that we've got to have instant milk transfer on the, during those first 24 hours? Now, again, I know that some hospitals get more in a hype about this than others do. I've worked at both of those kinds of hospitals, some that really feel like we've just got to got to do it really fast, you know, and others that are a little bit more laid back. Uh, another more practical problem, though, is that a, there's a very small amount of colostrum. You know, during the colostral phase, the average mother only has about 30 milliliters of colostrum in a 24-hour period. All right, do the math. That's about six teaspoons in, a, in the first 24 hours. So if you just think, and that's average, okay, some people less. The small amount of colostrum that might be lost in that shield might have gone to the baby if you just would have left the shield off. I also think that you have the risk of irritating the nipples. So I'm not real keen on it for the first 24 hours. I would be eager to tell you there is no real research to back that up or to refute that either way. So I mentioned about how, in my opinion, using the shields is more of a risk or, than a benefit. Let's start, though, with the potential uh benefits. It certainly can be a short-term aid in some cases if you have truly tried everything else and you, you who are competent, cannot get the mother to uh, and the baby to actually uh, have a successful uh, milk transfer. Sometimes the shield will help the baby to get a better seal and Sometimes what you'll see is that the baby who effectively suckles with the the silicone shield can get enough milk and gain weight. And if so, terrific, more power to them. I would also say that some kids will get a better seal. If so, good, let's go for it. Again, I want to warn, this is temporary, as a temporary fix. Let's look, though, at some of the potential risks. The big one that comes to my mind is decreased milk supply. We saw that a lot in the studies that were done in, I'm thinking like in the early 90s or so. Now, in those days, they had different fields than they have now. They were made out of more of a, uh, it was kind of like a thick rubber in the 80s. And so that was still what you were seeing by the time you were reading uh, the studies in the 90s. But uh, the silicone shields they have nowadays are certainly much better than that. So I don't think that we can extrapolate those results to the current situation. Okay, also that it's difficult for the baby to actually compress the nipple and remove milk effectively, okay? And if you are not getting good removal, you will not get good refill. I'm sure you've heard me say that many times, that we need to remove to refill. And also that the baby can become very accustomed to the firmness and the shape of the shield and remain very, um, very reluctant, really, to accept the mother's soft, warm nipple. So I really do see that as some possible downside there. 
A big, huge thing that is so important is to get basic good positioning if you're going to use the shield. I have seen some kids, many kids, who get on what I would call the nipply part, you know, the little round thing on the shield. And that's the only part that they're sucking on and they're making their jaws go up and down in a piston-like motion. That does not work. They need to have a huge, big, open wide. And I think that something that is particularly important there is to help both the nurse and the mother need to recognize, the professional and the mother need to recognize that this is like when you go to the dentist's office and when the dental hygienist sticks those big x-ray things in your mouth and you're opening your mouth as wide as you possibly can and she says, no, you've got to open wider for me in order to get this x-ray thing in your mouth. Okay, I've had this like for years and years and years in my own life. Somehow, you can always open your mouth just a little bit bigger. And that's what the baby needs to do. He needs to open his mouth as wide as he possibly can and then open it a little bit more than that because actually it is possible for him to accommodate the shield. But you really have to really get that big, big, big wide open gape. I would also say that there are different sizes. There is the 16 millimeter, the 20 millimeter, or the 24 millimeter, or I've even found a 27 millimeter, although the only place I ever can find that is online. If you have a room full of experts, half of them will tell you to fit it to the mother, half of you will tell, tell you to fit it to the baby. Uh, I think it's actually not quite that simple. When we come back, I'm going to talk about how to actually get the nipple on regardless of what size you use, and I think that that will be helpful for you in determining how to help the baby to actually use the size that is useful, get milk transfer, and then we'll talk about whether or not that's the right size. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. This is Born to be Breastfed, and I am happy to be with you as I'm talking about the many questions that I've gotten over the last few years about the use of nipple shields, both from mothers and from professionals. So I'm hoping to unravel some of those questions and give you some usable answers. All right, so I just said that there are several different kinds of, uh, several different sizes, rather. I don't think that there's an exact way to determine who gets what size. Certainly, if the baby can always open wider than what you think he can, as I said in the last segment. But also, I think that it's useful to, I picked up this really, really great uh, tip from my good friend Linda McGee in Memphis, and she said, soak the shield before you use it. And that is probably the one most helpful tip I've ever had about using the shield. If you do, what happens is it becomes much, much more malleable. It will also have a wetness about it. I always knew the part about the wetting it, but I didn't realize that soaking it would be so much more useful uh, because it, it does become more malleable. But but then the wetness helps it to actually stick to the skin, which is really good. So soak it. The moisture will help to reduce the friction on the nipple and the warmth actually feels nicer for the baby. And um, what you want to do is get that on the nipple then by, you kind of turn it inside out. Like all I can think of is a Mexican hat, all right? And then you kind of put it on more or less from the top and then you smooth it or roll it on. So in other words, it's almost inside out when you put it on. If you just put it on like at face value, it just doesn't work. You've certainly got to get it centered. And if you're using one of the contact shields, then you want to use the cutout part so that the baby's nose can be in contact with the mother's skin. Um, 
It is often useful to just lightly stroke the infant's mouth, lips, until he opens wide and really allow the baby adequate time to get that shield into his mouth as I just described it like when I was talking about the x-rays at the dentist's office. Uh, usually um, with this, once you do all of that, uh, you've got to elicit some suckling. You can do some gentle alerting techniques if necessary. You can take your finger or the mother can take her nipple. I'm sorry, I never know if I'm talking to mothers or professionals. I'm sorry if I just insulted whoever you are. Uh, but being able to just stimulate that, that baby's lips and what happens is that that will help him to get going a little bit. You can express some milk into the, the little round nipply part of the shield and that gives some immediate reward for the baby. So that if he really is suckling, he'll get that, and then he kind of gets, hopefully, into a little bit of a rhythm. Now, the other thing is that if you've soaked the shield, there will be a little bit of water moisture on the uh, shield. And as you probably know, most of us, if, if, you've, if you've ever been really, really thirsty and your lips are really, really dry, you know how it's easier once you get just a little bit of moisture on your lips. and so. That's a good thing. Now, once the baby is actually attached, the mother or the mother's helper can use a finger to just sort of flange that upper or lower lip out over the shield. And if I've not talked about this before, what I mean is you can just kind of roll uh, the finger right between the gum line and the lip, and you just kind of roll it out a little bit. And that will help the baby to get a better grasp. Now, you've got to be asking the question that somebody asked at the beginning when I read all those, which is, how do you know what size? And the answer is, I don't know what size until I see how it goes. Generally, though, you want it not sloppy, all right, but you want it not binding or too tight. If that nipply part is sitting away from the breast or the nipple, you know, like there's a there's a gap, maybe that's the word, gap. Or if you see the milk like pooling towards the bottom of it, then I would say probably that shield is too big. Conversely, if you see no milk in the nipply part, then it's probably too tight. And most certainly if there is discomfort or redness or or worse yet, some whiteness or some such thing, then that is that it's too tight. Uh, so you, you also want to know if the baby is actually getting the milk. If he's actually getting the milk and if you've got the right size and so forth, you should see that milk inside but not pooled and you should hear the baby swallowing 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 i want to see all the signs of good milk transfer i want to see that the baby is well aligned i want to see that the, um, the baby is having his jaws go up and down in a rhythmic focus i want to see that changing gears of going from the little light sucks to those long, slow, rhythmic sucks. And I want to see all of those signs that the baby is satisfied. 
by the end of the feeding. And then I want to see weight gain as well. And of course, wet diapers, dirty diapers, that we've talked about that before. But you get the idea here that you really want to be able to uh, make sure that all of the milk transfer bit is happening because, as, as one of my old bosses used to say, what's the purpose of the drip? Okay, with breastfeeding, the purpose of the drip is to transfer milk to the baby. And if that's not happening, then you can pull out all of the gizmos that you want to, but you, you've really got to be able to get the milk into the baby. Okay, so then. One of the problems that I mentioned as a possibility is that the mother might not have enough milk. Because remember, this is not the same as stimulation that is, you know, one-on-one -on -one stimulation. This is one with a silicone shield in between stimulation, okay? So I would suggest that you look at if there's really enough milk being produced, and generally what I would suggest is if I were to start the mother with the shield, I would also start her pumping on a regular basis in order to have what I call insurance. Now, what I don't see is that sometimes people get into that, oh, baby is uh, on the nipple, and, or excuse me, on the shield, baby is transferring milk to himself, mother is still pumping, okay, okay, okay. Well, no, not really, because I have seen mothers who have been given that instruction, and then were weeks later, baby by then could have come off the shield, and oh, by the way, mother has enough milk to feed the neighborhood, so why in the world is she pumping, all right? So I do want to caution that I would give the pump in the first place and get the mother pumping regularly in the beginning. But if that's a baby that has some sort of a problem and the baby is still not able to come off from the shield after a week or so, and by the way, seven days would be about my max for a well baby. I would really wonder what was going on if, if the baby could not uh, do it by then. Um, then what I would say is make sure that we've got enough milk going on here. Uh, when you're looking f f at the baby to see if he's doing it well, it would be the same thing, just like if he was not using the shield. And I know I've covered this in a previous show, but as a brief review, the mouth should cover all of the shield teat and the lips should flange out over that portion that covers the areola. You want to see that changing gears, as I've talked about, you want to see the baby settled and relaxed and look satiated at the end. You want to hear the audible swallowing throughout and make sure that the milk is in the shield even when the baby detaches, okay? Not that it's pooled there, but that, but that there is some that is present. And so that, that would bring you then to, okay, this has been done, baby is on, baby is off, it's working, and that would bring you to what are you going to do about cleaning? Uh, in general, I would say always follow the manufacturer's instructions for how you should clean a piece of equipment and certainly this one. 
But in general, rinse with cool water for one thing uh, and, and allow them to air dry, but never, never boil the nipple shields. When we come back, we're going to talk about weaning the baby from the shield. I'm Marie Biancuzzo with Born to Be Breastfed on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuzo or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. 
Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed. Welcome back. We're talking today about breast shields or nipple shields. I usually try to call them nipple shields. And just before we went to break, I was saying that pumping milk is something that is kind of done as insurance at least in the beginning. I do want to backtrack a little bit and say uh, I, I would start a mother pumping for that insurance if she was using the shield, but with one caveat, which is I might not do it the first time. I would probably look and see how that shield went the first couple of times and see because, you know, some babies can kick that shield within a, a couple of tries. And if so, then I wouldn't bother with the pump. But if I was anticipating using the shield for more than a day or so, yes, then I would definitely definitely start looking at pumping until I was absolutely sure that there was enough milk supply. And also the other issue is milk transfer, which I addressed in the, the last session. So you always want to make sure <clears throat> that you have milk transfer. And uh, then you always want to make sure that you have a written follow-up plan. Again, I hearken back to what I said earlier, which is it's a device. If it's a device, then there's a problem. If there's a problem, it needs follow-up, it needs problem solving, it needs resolution. Along with that, I would say that sometimes if mothers are using them, especially for a longer period of time, they have one, they lose it, or they can't find it, or when they need it, they're not where the field is. And so those mothers may find that they want more than one shield. And I'm thinking of the woman who had the, the twin that she used the shield for a year. Uh, as I understand the story, and she was not my patient, but uh, she had the, the shield just kind of always an extra one kind of stuck uh, down her clothing so that she always had it with her. Um, so there needs to be that clarity about establishing and maintaining milk supply, establishing and maintaining milk transfer with all of the other things that I've talked about in previous shows to say how important it is that we have signs of good milk transfer. And then finally, I guess I would say, how about some flags for in-person direct observation and follow-up? I'm big on telephone. If we can do telephone, that's really great. And if all is is going well, you know, if things are resolving, uh, fine, telephone is okay. But if things are not going well, or if a baby is, or, or not necessarily the baby, but the situation is kind of what I would call borderline. One thing is pretty good, but the other thing isn't very good. Or it's good at this feeding, but it's not good at the next feeding. When you don't have consistently reassuring signs of milk transfer and milk production, then I would say hey, that's time to come in for an in-person observation and some problem solving and resolution. Here's another thing. If jaundice does not resolve, that's another reason if you're especially if you're using the shield for an in-person visit, inadequate rate weight gain, using the shield past seven days, um, any of those kinds of things to me would uh, indicate that you really need to go for in-person help. You really need to have the baby making good weight gains, good uh, intake and output, and that things are generally going well. I have then only a few minutes to talk about weaning the baby from the shield. And this is probably a bigger discussion than I can do in four minutes, but I'm going to give it a shot. 
which is the first thing that I think you need to determine is, is the baby ready to come off the field in the sense of successful milk transfer is happening with the shield? The causes of the difficult latch on, whatever they are or were, those problems are somewhat resolving. For example, it may be that the baby is less tense, he is more relaxed. It may be that engorgement with those short nipples that often go with the engorgement, that that, that has, and by the way, I would try to problem solve that before the shield, but if it was used for that, but if that's going away, then okay, good. That That's an indicator. If there is a lot of milk supply and the nipple is well everted, the baby's tongue is now down where it needs to be. All of those good things are happening. And if the baby demonstrates that he can have a really good grasp of the nipple and the nipple shield and has a big open wide and all as well, I would say those things say, let's give it a try. Before you give it a try, make sure that you plan when to do that. Generally, I would say do that at a time of the day when you feel like you have high energy and you feel like you have some ability to cope with a new situation and maybe even a supportive person present. It is a time when, actually, a really good time is when the baby is in a light sleep. Sometimes what you can do is just kind of nuzzle the baby right up there after all of your good skin-to-skin contact, as we've talked about in other shows. And if he's in a light sleep, sometimes he just latches on with the shield, without the shield, excuse me, and voila, it just happens. Another thing might, for example, be that he kind of says, no, no thanks, I don't want to do this unless I have the shield. If that's the case, then what I would do is I would wait for an opportunity when the baby is not ravenously hungry and try to get him so that he's, you know, he he takes hold and he goes suck, 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 and he swallows and he has some really good swallowing. And then if you really listen carefully, you can hear when the baby sort of takes a breath. They kind of go, and when they do, you quick whip off the shield and then quick get the baby back onto the breast without the shield. And very often what happens is if they've been in a good rhythm, they will just continue. And so that works out usually pretty well. You can also continue that what I call bait and switch technique. You start the feeding with the shield and it's usually a couple of minutes before and if it uh, then give him two or three minutes to get going and you can replace the shield if it doesn't work and you can try a different time. But avoid making it a tug of war, if you know what I mean. What I do not recommend, do not cut off the end of the shield as a means to uh, uh, get the baby to wean. That that really is not a good idea. It actually could be hurtful. Okay, I truly do not know where all the time goes, but that's all the time that we have today. I would like to thank you for joining Born to be Breastfed. We're going to have a very interesting show next week where we're going to talk about some children's books as related to breastfeeding. Visit my website at Born to be Breastfed for a preview of what's coming up next week.
And if you're interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. Again, that website is borntobebreastfed.com. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding Next Monday, same time, time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Oh, 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 oh,